Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The post-Civil War landscape of the American West offers escape and opportunities to many new immigrants who come to the country's shore. A few of them brave the journey to the camp town of Missouri Crossing, each looking for a new lease on life in the Dakota Territories. Join the settlers of Missouri Crossing, including Gregory Smith, played by Joaquin, Sister Margaret Miller, played by Monica, Bjorn Hagman, played by Chris, and Craig as the keeper of arcane lore, as we explore the horrors that await us on Down Darker Trails. Alright, so the next thing we're going to do is determine our personal like hobby skill point list. To calculate those, you'll take your intelligence score times two. And these points can be actually put wherever you want. So you can add them to your occupation skills list or any other skills on there. Or if you could think of a like fun skill that's not listed, we could write that in. All right. And again, if you haven't put any points into credit rating with your occupation points, you might want to put some in there too. What does charm do? That's like the skill you would use to like schmooze with people. Like okay. you see like a good looking lady over at the bar and you're trying to like get information out of her by like buying her a drink and like schmoozing. Okay. Gotcha. And then like fast talking, I think is like when you want to, you know, sell somebody like, Hey, you know, you want to buy this magical elixir, you'll get it. Baldness, they'll cure diphtheria. They'll cure, give you, give you clean teeth. Yeah. They got rid of bargain. So I think that would fall into fast talk now. I'd like to do a praise for that. So sort of like a start of, like for the sailing bit. Yeah, a praise is like determining a rough value of items. All right, all right. And if you're thinking about like picking a skill just to have it as a hobby, uh, about 20 points in it, including the base, like would be about like a competent hobbyist level. When you get in like 80 and above, it starts to get to like world class. Is that everyone done? All right. So the next section will be optional experience packages. Um, We discussed a few of this uh, earlier, and these are entirely optional if you want, but I picked out a couple that might uh, fit some of the character concepts. So like police experience package, uh, we have a medical experience package and a civil war experience package. Does anyone want to consider one of those? I mean, what's the cost for them? Do we have to spend anything to get them, or how does that work? So um, basically, there's a few prerequisites where you like you just have to, for say, police, you have to have a starting age of uh, 25 or over. But I think I have that, yeah, yeah. And it's basically you gain some more skill points in certain things, but uh, because of your experience, you you might lose some stuff or oh, so there's a trade off to it. Yes, there is a trade-off. Most of the times, it just seasons your investigator a bit more. Man, I don't know. What, can I, what What does the police give me and take away? Let me ask that. So you have to have a starting age of 25 or over. Got it. You deduct 1d10 from your sanity because okay. you've seen some shit. Yeah. Then you either start with an injury or scar or a phobia associated with your experiences as a police officer. And then you get 60 skill points over a couple different skills. I like that. Because, okay. So let's do the 1d10 of... Yep. Let's lose sanity. that Let's lose that first. And it's permanently gone. 
must have it be one watch it's gonna be like 10 it's like turn yeah. <laughs> there you go you called it i called it so, so that's 10 i'm at 50. you yeah. saw some you things. saw something so because it's um a 10 you it's probably from interacting with something really heinous so mm-hmm. you might want to think of like I would, I'd probably lean to uh, phobia or mania so de- associated with your experience. You don't have to have it now, but... Um, no, no, I'd like a mania. Like, what are some of the manias? Is there a list of mania examples? Oh, there are in the core book, which I do not own, but... Uh, oh, okay, okay, I got them. So what do I get in return, then? What do I get spread amongst? So, besides that uh, terrible experience, which we might I- identify in the later part of this character creation se- um, session, nice. what... What could have caused that? Um, you get 60 bonus skill points, and you can you pick from the following to add them to. So climb, and it says drive auto because it's from the base book, but I'd, I'd be okay if you picked either drive wagon or ride horse instead. Okay. Fighting brawl, firearms, first aid, intimidate, law, listen, other language. So if you're if you're um, an immigrant, yeah, English might be a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's actually good. I'll do it in English. Mm-hmm. And any two interpersonal skills, so charm, fast talk, persuade, or intimidate again, and track. So should I put all 60 of mine in English to have passable English, I guess? So passable English, like say you had some classes, and I can you're operating at like a middle conversational level, yeah. um, you might have trouble, is about 20 points. Like, So 30 would be okay. 30, po- 30 points would mean you probably don't need the guidebook to help you along anymore, gotcha. but you might still stumble on more complex thoughts and expressing them. Yeah, I'll do that. I like that. That'll be an interesting role-playing thing. And then I will... Okay, I'll put rest of mine in points. I'll mute my mic. Yep, and you would also get uh, an immunity to sanity losses from viewing a corpse, which I think you get that anyways. From... Alright, I'm all done with my points. Yeah, so... Added to your other, your final special from Lawman, your immunity to sand loss from seeing a corpse, as well as limited sanity loss. So you only get the the bare minimum for seeing blood or gore. So you can mark that down on your sheet. Got it. Thank you. All right. Other ones were medical or civil war experience. Uh, Quinn, were you um, interested in either of those? Uh, what is the medical experience one? Miscator is a long-serving physician, nurse, or forensic examiner. Starting age of 30 or over, you need that, so you have it. Basically, you get some more points in certain skill points, and you have a, you get a phobia media associated with medical experience. Mm. I'm not sure if that one fits with your concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Um... And the other one would be Civil War experience. Did... Your character would have been. Uh, I don't know because, like, cause my, my head, like, I think he would have been like, yeah, they want him for his skills, like, you know, actually making the guns and you know, all the sure. supplies and stuff. So I don't know he would have actually fought in the Civil War. Well, it, it's not always just like about the fighting. It's like maybe you're just like the logistical uh, yeah, operations yeah, close the, to the line, the, the logistics chain. So I, I, I think I would go. Uh, yeah, what's what does that entail? So let's check that out. You have some so okay, this option available uh to investigators wishing to have served in the Civil War may benefit from their experience, but also bear its scars. So you need at least 17 years old by 1861, which you have. So you lose some sand and you get either an injury or scar or a phobia media associated with your time. 
Um, then you get a bunch of skill points in various soldierly skills, and then you don't lose sand from seeing like corpses or yeah, dead bodies. I think I will take that. Yeah. Okay. So your age is good already. So the first thing is deduct one d ten plus five from your sanity. Oh boy! So, watch me get yeah. we get fifteen taken off. Six. I got the best possible wow. roll out of that. Yes. All right. So you've seen some shit, but like you said, you were you were probably um, fighting for like your 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 service is probably more just creating arms armaments, um, fixing up uh, wagons. Shoeing horses, probably. Yeah, stuff so I'll probably. Like that. I, you know, I saw. I, I probably think it's like he, he saw all the people come back while the limbs blown off mm. and stuff. So he was. He was. He wasn't like close enough to see, actually see them get blown off. He definitely saw a lot of people coming back with you know missing limbs and stuff. Okay, so injury or scar or phobia or mania. Um, I would definitely some, say phobia. Okay, some some that they include on this list: uh, alcoholism, um, some sort of disfigurement, ballistophobia, fear of bullets and missiles, ligor. Wow, I'm butchering that. Fear of loud noises. Pyrophobia, fear of fire, which doesn't really work for a blacksmith. Yeah, no. Um, Hoplomania, firearms obsession, pyromania, or something else you might be able to think of. Yeah. Would, like, a fear of losing limbs be a thing? Like, you know, he saw all these people, like, coming back with... Like, fear of, like, seeing, like, grotesquely maimed people? Yeah, I guess you know, just you know, he remembers like he remembers all the seeing all the the scar, you know, missing, sure. like getting trapped on the face, getting you know, missing limbs, holes. Yeah, he's afraid of that. Yeah, he okay. Really... Um, I'm I'm okay with you taking that. I'm not sure what the Latin word for that is. Um, I don't know either. You, you can look it up uh, later. Um, but if you take that, I would say that you would not get the immunity to uh, some the gore and corpses. I would accept that. Yeah. Okay, so you figure out what the, what the Latin uh, phobia for seeing people who are all like shot up and stuff is? I think it's a traumatophobia. That's it. Oh yeah, traumatophobia. So then you would get seventy points to add to uh, amongst these skills: climb, jump, fighting brawl, fighting sword, firearms, first aid, listen, stealth, survival, throw. So seven. Okay. So seventy. All right. I'll uh, get to like put it in the chat just so I can have a better right. Sure. Remember yeah. what the skills are. And spend your points, sir. I'm spending. All right, Monica. Did any of those uh, seem to suit your character? And it's fine if they don't. No, I think I'm going to keep her vanilla. Okay. Yeah, she's a relatively uh, young sister. However, your yours doesn't have a specialty. Okay. All right. I think I got all my skills points put away. Does everyone have their skill points spent, both occupational and personal? Yep. Yep. All right. Now we go into the difficult part, which is uh, figuring what stuff you guys have. I'm going to go over to the cash and assets table, and we're going to look at your credit ratings. If you look on your character sheet, there should be a spot on the back of it for cash and assets. And it's going to be determined off your credit rating. Let's start with you, Chris. What is your character's credit rating? 20. 20. So that falls into the average. Cash on hand, you'll have $20 because it's uh, your credit rating times one. And your asset level, which is everything that you'll that your character owns, including petty cash, property, homes, wagons, will be your credit rating times 25 all right. And your spending level will be $5. Awesome. And 
Joaquin, what is Gregory's credit rating? He has a credit rating of 40. 40. So still average, but more well off. You're an established blacksmith at this time. Your cash on hand will be $40. All right. And cash on hand is like your liquid uh, stuff that you just like have carrying around day to day. Your credit rating again would be your, sorry, your assets level would be credit rating times 25. So 40, that's for $1,000. $1,000. And your spending level is $5 as well. Spending level again is stuff that you don't really have to track. All righty. And Monica, what is Margaret's credit rating? 25. 25. So she's a very well-to-do woman of God then. So uh, your cash be $25. Again, your assets would be your credit rating times 25. And your typical spending level would be $5. This is this is the shopping spree. And uh, if you all um, want to pull up the the book that I that um, we each have, the Down Darker Trail core books, it will have the like the equipment section. And that starts on page 33. So a little guidance here. I've been trying to figure out how much of an investment this would be for your characters. Because like taking like Oregon Trail records, the overland journey from uh, Independence, Missouri to Oregon or California usually meant a six-month trip or 2,000 miles of hard country. It was costly as much as $1,000 for a family of four. This included a wagon of about $100. Usually four or six animals had to pull the wagon. Oxen were slower, but um, more hardy than horses or mules. And they're they're cheaper, costing only $25 a piece rather than $75 to $100 for a horse or mule. You'd also need food supplies, cooking equipment, water kegs, and other sundry items. Most folk viewed this trip to the West as an investment in their futures. In Kalkathu, this sort of thing is typically hand-waved. But part of the idea of this campaign is community building. And since you're going out to the frontier, you only have what you bring with you. You can itemize everything from the list on page 33 onwards, or you can spend $1,000 for your family of four and just say you have $1,000 a year if you want to keep it simple. So what you would do is spend your asset. You can spend up to your asset level. That's that uh, credit rating times 25 that we just talked about on gear. And it's important to note that most wagons could only carry around 2,000 pounds of equipment. So Quinn, you can take an anvil with you, but if you want to start taking multiple anvils, it might become a problem. <laughs> most likely I'm just going to afford like, because I can't afford the full th- thousand dollar just sort of say that, yeah, he, he, he like pretty much got all of the, his, uh you know, just sort of sold, you know, liquidated all of his uh, stuff at, in the in the cities just to you know, pay for all of it, to move it all to the West. Since a family okay. of four costs a thousand dollars, since yes. I'm a family of two, can I spend my $500 and be good to go? Who's your other family member? My son, my 11 year old son. Oh, so, so he has $500 worth of stuff too? No, no. What I'm saying is like you said for a family oh, of four, yeah, okay. it costs a thousand. So I'm saying since I have a family of two, can it cost 500? It depends what you want to do like is are are the two of you just going to be riding horses west with basically the clothes in your back or are you going to try to get like a wagon to move a household uh i think we just have like the clothes on our back and what we need because the tent was for me to go to this area you know what i mean to start fresh you know so like we're not bringing a bunch of stuff with us and everything i mean so that okay we got like a tent for when we get there to sleep but my goal is once i get there you know to find some kind of and it might not even be farm it might be doing some side work to save up money to eventually get a farm you know if you want to kind of uh, 
you still would have to get food and such or be a burden on your fellow travelers. Oh, I'd, I'd get food, yeah. He's a prideful guy, but yeah. Yeah, so you would still need to carry that food somehow, and this is a several-month journey. I'm not a like a historian by trade, but I'm going to say it's going to be at least two months of travel. Okay. I'd say so like, you know, maybe like a couple of mules or something to just carry, you know, like dried food and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a, a small wagon or something, like a cart, maybe. So what are you saying? Like, how much money do I need to get to where I can hand wave at him and I get there comfortably with food and a wagon? Because I'll adjust my credit rating score if that. Yeah. Another option um, that I have in place is the first session would be actually the travel out to there, similar to kind of how we did with uh, the the temptation game. Okay. Um, But you could just like work your way across because you'll be traveling with a pack of pack of drovers um, on a cattle drive. Oh, okay. So if you wanted to move move with them and be part of them, that would be another way. Yeah, I could do that too. I could say yeah. then that your like, son is like the kitchen boy and you're working yeah. as a cowpoke. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, for sure. And okay. then, that's my plan to do that. That's how we're going to travel to North yeah. Dakota. Then so, once we get there, then I'll establish something else, you know. So yeah, then you you're just basically going to be coming in with like boatload of cash and hopefully someone has something that you can yeah. Buy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If not, I got this tent on the back of my horse, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We can find something now. It sounds like there's a lot of tents there already, you know? Yeah. And Joaquin, the person moving uh, an entire forge and blacksmith shop out west. Yeah, I definitely. I definitely. I think the main thing would be like, he definitely he's got like the the most stuff probably just to move out of the out of the group because you know he is you know the most he was the most established so yeah i definitely think like you know, he he has he has a wife and can i would you would you want me to have like three children to just to sort of like scooch in oh uh, yeah all right yeah. so yeah i think so you'll have like a whole wagon yeah do you have a thousand dollars i do in assets is that your total yeah that is, that is all my assets i okay you basically You'll you'll have enough to basically move your family and not have to like work the whole time there, and you'll probably have your own wagon full of stuff. And a thousand dollars is the estimate for a family of four making your um, the journey all the way across the Oregon Trail. You're not going nearly as far, so yeah, you'll probably have enough to get some basic equipment as well. So, if so you yeah, I just... imagine you know, he's you know, he's got, so like most of the money he's only got a little little bit left over, but yeah, most of the money has gone to the trip to can take him there, yeah. Okay, so you're you're economically set, assuming you and all your um, possessions make it. Yes. All right. Now, now, now I'm totally afraid that it's gonna like you know, it's gonna burn down or something. All right, Monica, did you have any pressing questions about um, the shopping trip? Um. Yeah. As a as a Catholic nun, I figure her I, idea of sustaining herself is just the bare minimum, just to keep that mm-hmm. nice level of suffering going. So I. I mean. I see that there's like a, a two person buggy. There's all these things, but uh, I'm having a hard time kind of determining mm-hmm. aside from the clothes on her back and just a means of transportation. And I guess, you know, like salted meats or whatever. I just having a hard time getting into the mindset of what to bring. Not a problem. One of the reasons, what is the main reasons that uh, would it be sister Margaret? Yes. What is the main reason for her to be traveling west? Figuring that after the horrors that she saw being a medic during the war, she fears that the country has fallen into a state of godlessness. So she is preaching the word of God. Okay. So is it your intent to 
because we're starting a course in Chicago. Is your intent then to go to set up a school or some sort of um, institution, or are you just going to be like a, like an itinerant preacher? Yes, the latter. I don't think she would be staying in one place. She wants to spread it as far as she can. All right. I guess we're, um, we're kind of going into the the next um, portion of the character creation session. Uh, but what is, um, does Margaret have a plan? No, I think her plan is really just moving forward and speaking to as many people as possible, getting by on the kindness of strangers and Mm -hmm. living minimally. I I think that after the war, she basically just wants to live a humble life, serving God and reaching as many people as possible. Just a very humble idea of how the rest of her life should be. Are you part of like an institution in Chicago that might have sent you west or is, I would are you just so. okay so if that was the case you are a single um, nun of age 23 they might have sent you with someone to like some sort of like missionaries type thing so then I'd have to be fending for myself and another person with well I'm, I'm saying then um then you could just kind of glom onto like the missionary wagon Sounds good to me. All right. I, I was actually thinking of how could I make this easier, but uh, I guess uh, you could be traveling with uh, some of the Catholic missionaries that are going to he- um, head west with the intent to uh, basically bring the word of God to all those heathens out in the Dakota territories. That's me. Um, yep. So yeah, you'll we could we could work on the uh, rest of the backstory as we go along, but uh, yeah. So. We're going to come now more into the the fun part of character creation, as I like to think of it. The less crunchy, more like backstory driven stuff. We already have like initial concepts for each of our characters. Actually, I'm going to start with you, Monica. What was unique about uh, your character's early childhood? Unique about her early childhood? Well, I'm thinking she was part of a standard uh, nuclear family to start so she would I would presume be the eldest and then of course they kept trying for boys to help around but I can't think of anything unique about her she's just always been very humble very quiet she's never had ideals for marriage or anything of that nature which is how she ended up in her current occupation because either you're married or you're a nun but yeah I fear that I feel that in her mindset her whole role as a woman has always been an assistance role, a helping role. She thought she could be more than a teacher, which is how I presume she would have ended up as a medic or as a nurse in the Civil War. But that was a bit much to handle, which is why she's now just traveling and spreading the word of God. All right. Quinn, same question about Gregory. What was unique about his early childhood? I definitely think like the most unique thing about his early childhood is that he basically he grew up like his father, which is you know had just uh, you know sort of like made such you know started working on his own forge and stuff. So he sort of like grew up in the forge essentially because you know he he just you know he was next to his father helping him you know get you know coal into the uh, furnace, making sure that the bellows are being pumped properly and making sure everything's where it is supposed to be. So you apprentice to your own father? I'm pretty, I'm pretty, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, he pretty much he would just pretty much just you know started blacksmithing the moment he was born essentially. Did you have any like brothers or sisters? Uh, I definitely think yeah. He has like uh, a couple of. I think he. Uh, let me. Check. I think I wrote this down somewhere. Let me double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he has two. Yeah, he is the oldest of like two younger siblings and stuff. Okay, fantastic. Now, Chris, uh, what was unique about the early childhood of Bjorn? 
that he actually got a bad case of, I don't know if it would be chicken pox or whatever pox. Smallpox, maybe? Smallpox that he barely survived when he was a kid, thus the scarring on his face. Oh, yeah, that's good. That he has. And so when he was recovering from that at an early age, that's where he got into loving to read and to like kind of like self-educate himself. All right. And we'll just, we're going to go like around Robin, um, go with Chris again, and then move back. So why is Bjorn planning to basically uproot his entire life um, in temporary life in this case in Chicago and create a new one in the Dakota territories? Well, his goal overall from the beginning was to get to like the territories, you know, was to go west. He just, Chicago was a main place where his son and him to stop at to kind of like collect themselves and find a way to get out there. And now that he's found a way by kind of tacking on to these cattle herders that are go- that are moving up there, that he's going to go along that way. So he kind of did this on a whim for him and his son both to heal emotionally from the death of his wife and also to kind of grow stronger together as a bond because with him having been a police officer or a lawman, he didn't really get to spend much time with his 11-year-old son growing up until his wife started getting ill. And then now they, you know, they have this where they're trying to build a relationship with each other. Okay. So actually, at what point did uh, Bjorn come to the U.S.? I would say like only like six months ago or, or if, you know what I mean? Enough okay. to like not even six months ago, whatever, how long it would take for him to get to a me- major city to find a way to get up there. You know, he didn't want to go out there right away because he didn't know, right. you know, have any contact. So so you're basically like this small stop in Chicago or where, be, well, where we're starting is just like another stop along the world. Wor- along the road west for him no exactly yep okay and why would gregory want to uproot his entire life i know you mentioned a little bit like um like branching out and having like a clean slate but uh what does that look like for him quinn yeah so i don't i don't i don't know if he would he would have been in chicago or maybe somewhere back east but i definitely know he was grew up in one of the bigger cities so i know basically he you know he and his family they were he was doing this black and stuff. Then the war, then the war broke out. Then he and his brother both sort of like got into the, got sort of put into the military. He, Gregory, being the one actually, you know, mostly staying behind the lines, actually you know, making stuff. His brother wasn't hadn't uh, picked up and uh, taken after the trade, so he had been more of a soldier. So then his brother actually died during the war, and so then uh, Gregory came back, and then he found like you know how much it's, it's sort of like see how. You know how like the city, which is over the years, kept getting dirtier and dirtier as more machines started being built and people started getting crapped together. And so he, you know, eventually, I think I would say like you know at some point like his father and I, th- I probably think his father and Gregory himself got like there was like a, some like disease like sort of took two through the town after he got home after the war. And mm-hmm. so he was like, okay, yeah, this this is this is not gonna you know sustain my family in the future. I gotta you know, get somewhere cleaner. I gotta get away from the you know the the smog and the smoke. Plus, like, um, I know you, you're a pretty well-off uh, blacksmith, but uh, so you might have had your own shop in Chicago. But uh, a lot of times, like the work you would get in a city, you'd be working in big foundries, just like another cog in the wheel. It, I'm not sure if you had your own shop in Chicago. Or I, I would you... say that they see sort of they had, like his father definitely had his own shop. And he started working at that, but then as things got, he's like he saw the foundry spring start springing up. Yeah, pushed. And so out. he was like, okay, yeah, I got, I got, I can't compete with that. I gotta leave. Yeah. yeah, it's either move on to new territory, link up with a larger shop, or get pushed out. Exactly. Yeah, and so you know, basically, you know, it's like the cities are they got they're getting too cramped, they're getting too diseased, they're getting too you know machines is everywhere. He's just like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I can't stay here, gotta leave. Super. Yeah, Monica, you mentioned that um, uh, Margaret saw this as like a 
a way to, I don't know, heal some of the wounds of the country, so to speak. Um, what does that what does that look like um, for her? How did that uh, factor in? Did she choose to go specifically to the, the Dakota territories? Did she volunteer or was she like, like sort of assigned there from her uh, parish? I would think she was assigned, um, aside from trying to heal, like you said, trying to heal the divisions of the civil war in the country and, you know, kind of reminding people, listen, we're all colonizers here. We're we're all the same people of God. We're all God's children. We need to come together. She's also trying to heal her own psychological wounds of what she did see in the war. Um, she sees what happened in the wartime, sort of like an, an evil plague on the mind and on the soul of the soldiers and of the leaders, turning man against man, brother against brother sort of thing. So she's selected to, I guess, based on her piety, to join, as you said, uh, the missionary wagon and travel across the lands, uh, spreading the word of God and of peace as she does so. And is she traveling with any? uh, Well, we know she's going with the missionary wagon. Are any of them your friends or family? You mentioned earlier that uh, she was the nuclear family who kept trying for boys. Were you an only child or... I would think she's the eldest. Uh, she started out as a nuclear family. And as, of course, when they had the first child, so I was a girl, you keep trying for boys. And I think given this time period, women weren't exactly a focus. Right. So she was likely sort of the wallflower in the family, the, the helper of the household. And that helping nature, that giving nature is what drives her as a character forward. She sees the people in need of, you know, her assistance, in this case, spiritual rather than domestic. But if domestic falls into it, sure. I don't think it would be her family members that would be traveling with her Mm -hmm. um, because somebody would have to stay behind to take care of the household and the assets. But I think maybe it would be a friend from the church. Okay. So being a woman, unfortunately, you probably wouldn't have been like allowed to just start the missionary by yourself. So they probably send you with like a priest or a like a couple other sisters. So maybe we could uh, figure someone else. But I was thinking that uh, one character, like an NPC I was working on, is a Jesuit priest named Father Frank Noss. What kind of relationship would you have with him? I would think I would see him as a fatherly figure or an older brother, depending on his age, simply because... Early 60s. Oh yeah, definitely a fatherly figure. It's hard as a woman to kind of make your way around without the leadership of a man. And she would kind of be kind of stuck to his side, always tending to his needs first and foremost over her own. And yeah, I think she would see him as someone that she looks up to, morally speaking, and at the same time, someone that is her responsibility to take care of. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned like that, like helper sort of nature that she had as... um part of her nuclear family. So maybe that just like sort of extended to uh, Father Frank there. I guess the next question um, is like most people at this point had some sort of religious or spiritual beliefs. We mentioned that Margaret was a, a Catholic nun. What is what does that mean to her? What does that what does that look like? For her it means complete devotion to the word of the Bible. It means her life completely in the hands of Christ. If you know her, the priest that's traveling with her, if Father Frank decides that they need to do something or act in a certain way, even if personally she would never do that because he is not only her superior, but a man who is closer to God and speaks to him directly, it's blind faith. So for her, 
Her religion is everything. If the priest told her to jump off a cliff for God, she would do it. Wow. So like pretty like fanatical then. Yep. That's interesting. Joaquin, what what sort of uh, like religious or spiritual beliefs does uh, Gregory have? I don't think he'd be too religious. I definitely think like mostly that um, like some of the stuff he saw in the war and just, you know, having to, you know, work pretty much his whole life with his father just to you know, get food yeah. on the table. He definitely thinks that, you know, you, you, you can pray to God, but you ha- but you know, the man has to, you know, actually, you know, work to get stuff and put right. like get food on the table and stuff. Like no atheist in a foxhole, but God helps um, him who helps himself. Yes. Okay. Do you have like a specific religion that Gregory would be? Um, I, I don't think he. I, I don't think he'd really pay, pay too much. He'd like probably like go to like the church he's gone to his whole life, and then like, you know, if, if he, Christian. <laughs> yes. He 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 he's really like he doesn't really know the difference. He's like heard a few times. He's like I I'm sorry I got to work. You know don't have to. You know, it's it's that's that's broke, that's broke learned stuff. He doesn't really care about that. I guess I'll take Sunday off because I need a rest, but. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's not too caught up in about religion. Really, it's not really a big part of his life too much. Does does he believe in the supernatural? I definitely think he he would just like you know he probably you know um just you know he probably you know saw like some you know just saw saw like the horrors of the war and stuff. He saw probably saw you know, probably some guys you know you gotta have you know, something watching over them or something. Hmm. So he definitely he probably thinks like you know it's there is probably something out there, but he hasn't seen too much. Like he he's. Probably, probably a bit just superstitious. Yeah, I guess. But he's but, not, well, like, not really. He's not like totally believer, but he definitely believes enough. Yeah. Well, like, what sort of superstitions does he have? Well, I definitely think like um, you know he he would say you know, don't really work on Sundays. That's I don't really want to annoy the Lord. He I don't he might not be, I don't want to don't want to take my chances. Probably would uh, make sure to uh, you know don't you know don't listen to any of those heathen talks. Okay, those all those. Uh, like all those, all, all those like you know, Redskins, they're heathens. Of course, you can't listen to anything they say. They might take take it to the devil. Interesting. Yep. All right. He, he is most like he was. He would be like afraid of stuff that might lose him what he has. I guess he doesn't really want to like. He, okay. He wants to like cover his. He wants to cover his bases. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that, but yeah. Okay, and uh, Chris, uh, what about uh, Bjorn? What what sort of faith does he follow? Uh, he's one of those types who believe that there's evil out there in man but he isn't really exactly the most religious. He does believe though, that the religious institutions have an important role in society and education and, 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 you know, setting standards for society. So he's not like an outspoken agnostic or atheist, you know, for example, I could see him like trying to get his son to speak to Margaret on a regular basis or whatever, you know, like a form of therapeutic, talking and speaking to someone that's how he views institutions but due to what he saw on one of his cases a major case that he experienced right before his wife was was diagnosed with uh, tuberculosis yeah his faith in any kind of like religious god or anything like that is pretty much gone but he keeps it to himself you know but he tells his son like yeah go to church you know all that stuff you know so yeah you're gonna be working basically every day for the next couple of months trying to get to this new place does mm-hmm. is like taking sunday rest something that he values or is in this case is like you know i'll have, have penance for it later yeah he, he he doesn't value having sundays off matter of fact he's like of that mentality uh that he just wants to keep moving he wants to keep going he wants to be outdoors you know he wants to he doesn't want to be entrapped 
anymore, you know? And when he thinks of being entrapped, he thinks of this case he worked on, which I have in my head, the case I gave him the situation, or he thinks of sitting in a room watching his wife die, you know, with his son. So he kind of is looking at this whole experience of him and his son totally reinventing themselves in the open and the, you know, the wilderness, the American dream, you know, just like he's the thought of going to North Dakota to him is refreshing or Missouri crossing, you know, is refreshing because it's completely freedom and wild and it touches into that feeling he had as a kid when he was able to get over the smallpox and go and explore you know like he did once he was able to heal and look you know what i mean it's just kind of that yeah. curiosity so. he, and he wants that same uh opportunity for him for his son he doesn't oh, want to totally 100 percent. he doesn't, doesn't want to get stuck in chicago he doesn't know and when he goes to chicago it reminded him of when he was in norway you know what i mean and just like all the worst parts of city life. Totally. And he doesn't want his son to be around that because he knows working the cases that he did has had an impact on him. If you like the style and feel of Missouri Crossing, then you'll like Deluded. Set in 1848, Deluded follows a coterie who have set themselves to find out who is behind a mysterious tonic that plagues the kindred society of Victorian England. 